It's time for Brainerd Outdoors on B93.3. Brought to you by The Power Lodge, SCR Northern, Thielen Meats, Tracker Boating Center, Vimer Outdoors Archery Pro Shop, SW Bait and Tackle, Oars and Mine Marine in Crosby, Northern Sales and Manufacturing, Your Ice Castle Dealer in Pine River, Crow Wing Recycling, Bermel Shoe Store in Randall, and by Radco, Your Truck Accessory Pros. Now, here's your host for Brainerd Outdoors. Brian Moon. And welcome into this week's show. We talk a lot of walleyes this week. Uh, we're seeing where our ice conditions are across not only the immediate Brainerd Lakes area, but across the state. Uh, full Lake reports all over the place from our usual cast of characters. We'll also talk about the possibility of a reduction in walleye limits across the state. We talk spoons with Jason Mitchell with Jason Mitchell Outdoors and some early ice walleye tactics with Tony Roach with Roach's Guide Service. All that and more on this week's edition of Brainerd Outdoors. And we'll kick the show off with our Lakeland Field segment brought to you by Oars and Mine and Crosby. Oars and Mine can set you up with a full line of live bait and tackle, a propane fill, the perfect ice house, or even make informed suggestions on where you drill your holes. Don't hit the Cuyuna Country ice until you hit Oars and Mine, Highway 6 in Crosby. And we'll kick the show off with our local report, and we bring in a good friend of Brainerd Outdoors, Nate Blazing with S&W Guide Service, joins us. Nate, how are we doing? Good. How are you doing, Brian? Doing real good. Excited to maybe get out on the ice, do a little fishing as we head into the Christmas holiday. The problem is, is uh, you know, some of this ice is still a little sketchy. I know you've been paying a very close attention to what's going on here, not only in the immediate Brainerd Lakes area, but some of the outlying areas too. What can you tell us about ice conditions? And I guess we'll start right here in the immediate Brainerd area. Sure. Um, actually, this past weekend, I kind of went and took some time and went around to a bunch of the lakes and. I've been out a couple times. The first time I got out was on round right before that big snowfall because knowing what might be coming and figuring that might have been the window, so I went on round for a little bit. And that was, what, two weeks ago. Had really good ice, about five inches, walked out. Uh, things drastically changed since then. So right now where we're sitting near smaller lakes that had already locked up prior to that big snowfall event, they're uh, pretty messy. Um haven't really gained a whole lot of ice and then with all that snow on top of it you got slush everywhere so um you can get out but you just really got to be careful take your time and i'm hearing (laughs) guys in knee-deep slush getting wheelers stuck and you know you can break equipment so the bigger lakes that actually froze up after that big snowfall are the ones that are actually doing a little better uh you got probably five to seven inches of pretty good ice out there the only problem is with the snow that insulated them, people think we just went through, what, a couple of days of below zero temps and it should be making ice, and it just didn't do that. So I'm hopeful here with this warm-up this weekend, it might compact some of that snow and next cold temp firm some stuff out so we can get a little better ice conditions. Out there, there was a lot of talk about a, a couple of uh, permanent houses that uh, went through out on Gull Lake, and uh, there's also been a little bit of concern about where we're going to be at come ice fishing extravaganza out there on Hole in the Day Bay. What can you say about that? Well, the one thing I'd say to keep in perspective here is, historically speaking, I would say we're we're right about where we normally are. Growing up over Christmas break, we'd always, Dad and I would always try and get out on Mille Lacs on a wheeler out to the mudflats, and it was always, we're some of the first people out. So we're coming up to that, and I would say we're about at that stage. Um yeah, I saw the same stuff you did with the houses, you know, on, on Galda went through. Actually, when we were on Mille Lacs here on Friday, 
we had seven inches of ice. We checked it the whole way out, and 100 yards from us as we were coming in, a guy went and put a wheeler all the way through. So, again, going to be very, very cautious. It, it varies so much out there right now, so you pretty much got to walk and check as you go. The extravaganza, you know, you can't control Mother Nature. We got plenty of time left. It's, it is what it is. We'll see what happens. And that's, like I said, hoping this warm weather kind of compacts stuff. And if we get a snap of cold stuff, I think we'll be all right. But yet to be seen, I guess. Yeah, I was talking to somebody yesterday, and I said the best thing we could get is like three, four days of almost 40 degrees, sunshine, no wind. And then after that, get like a week of 15 to 20 below weather. Now, I'm not wishing that because there's a lot of people that are going, what are you talking about? But, I mean, that would probably, for ice conditions, be the best-case scenario. Yeah, I agree. It's just we got to get that snow down a little bit. And uh, even the areas right now that aren't necessarily flooding, as soon as you drill a hole, you are getting some water coming up from so much weight on the ice. So if we could get that snow minimized a little bit, you know, I think we're good to go. But, yeah, there's still time. So I'm I'm hopeful that the event will still happen. Uh, Usually find a way to pull it off. It seems like Mother Nature tries to work with the JCs, and it's such an awesome event. So hopefully, you know, that'll work out as it's planned to. Yeah, so we'll keep you posted on that as the weeks leading up to the event here coming up towards the end of January, I believe on January the 25th. A couple of things outside of the area, like you had mentioned here locally, Nate, uh, bigger bodies of water, probably the way to go, and you mentioned Mille Lacs, but even some of those other bigger bodies of water even north of us, and uh, they should be okay, huh? Yeah, um, kind of the best ice reports, I'd say, and it doesn't surprise anyone, is red just because it's upper Red Lake, that is. It's such a shallow body of water that once it caps over, it makes ice pretty fast, and they didn't get near the snow up there. So your Red Lake is really good. They're starting to drive out there, let you bring wheelhouses out. Lake of the Woods sounds like it's progressing pretty good. I had a couple buddies up there last week, and uh, uh, they had some good action and pretty good ice. Uh, Winnie, I've heard pretty good stuff over on the southwest corner. They had right around seven inches of ice then. So um, Mille Lacs, again... You know, talking with Tony Roach and some others, and when we were over there, the ice really does vary, anywhere from four to nine inches. So um, I drove by the whole north and west side of the lake yesterday, and guys are starting to get out a little bit here and there, but there just still isn't near the people out just because those conditions are still a little iffy. So So the next question is, uh, once you find some fishable ice, are the fish cooperating right now? Yeah, I'd say overall it's been a pretty good bite. Again, your early... You know, ice bite is usually pretty good. The walleyes in the area have been good. It takes a little bit of, you know, moving around to find them, but once you find them, they've been pretty darn aggressive. Um, I like to jig with one rod, some kind of a flashy spoon for the most part to calm in, and a lot of the fish have actually been hitting that pretty hard, but if they don't, a lot of times if you got a uh, just a bobber or a dead stick next to it, they'll hit that. So, um, like I said, on Friday, I was pretty pleasantly surprised, I think, there was three of us, and we had right around 20 fish for the day, all sizes from a couple little guys in that 7 to 10-inch range, and then all the way up we had two that were 25 inches were our big ones. Um, I personally have not been out chasing panfish, but I know a bunch of my buddies that have, and the coffee bite sounds like it's been really, really good. So, yeah, if you're able to get out there, spend the time, find the right spot, the fish are definitely motivated to eat right now so that's a good thing what a lot of anglers like to do nate is punch a lot of holes and move around uh is that affecting things with the ice conditions that we have right now well it, it can and again that's where folks have been somewhat limited because literally especially like over on Mille Lacs, you might find a pocket of good ice 
you don't have to venture too far in, in your out of that ice. For instance, again, we were on seven to nine inches, and some guys came out and walked past me as I was talking to them, and they went a couple hundred yards, and they were able to go through the ice with the spud bar with one crack. So, you know, yeah, um, you can definitely still move around, but I'd say your proximity that you're looking right now is a little bit smaller just because, again, we're exploring on a, a smaller extent until we have a little more faith in the ice conditions. And there's a lot of guys out there that, uh, you know, like to spear as well, Nate. Um, are you hearing some good reports there with the pike? Actually, I am, yeah. The pike sound like they're moving pretty aggressively and some really, really nice fish. Um, I was kind of actually surprised about that. So, again, it seems like the pike, you know, are, are hanging to those green vegetation. Uh, the walleyes, again, especially your prime times, your early morning, right at sun going down, that's your prime time. You might get lucky and stumble into a few midday, but um, that's kind of for your walleyes. The pike are more aggressive and willing to bite all throughout the day. But, yeah, overall, it's been pretty good multi-species action, I'd say. So that's good to hear. Uh, one last thing, Nate. Uh, you're obviously heavily involved with the uh, Walleye Alliance, which uh, has made a comeback here in the Brainerd area. You guys are staying pretty busy with some things uh, upcoming that you wanted to talk about. Right, yeah, we, we've been very, very busy with that. And, actually, we just had our ice fishing seminar last Thursday uh, right in Brainerd, and Tony Roach was our featured speaker again, which I know you know Tony, and if anyone has had the pleasure of listening to him, he's such a personable guy and just a phenomenal speaker and just a wealth of knowledge, so it's really awesome to listen to him and kind of soak up the stuff as he's talking. Um, but part of one of the big initiatives that, as the Walleye Alliance Group did, is is we've been working with uh, Senator Kerry Root here locally, and we have a proposal that I think is going to go in front of the legislature this session, and we're proposing a reduction in walleye limit from six down to four, and that would be a statewide thing. Um, some of the rationale behind that is just to kind of make the regs a little more similar statewide rather than carry a rule book to every lake and figure out what your limit is. This would put us more in check with leech, red, uh, lake of the woods, and stuff like that. Um, so... We did a survey, actually, because we'd heard lots of verbal stuff from our members saying people were in favor, but we did a survey at the end of it, and people just wrote their comments down on a piece of paper. And surprisingly, I think we had 100% that said they were in favor of it. Um, so it's kind of a pleasant surprise. We knew, you know, overwhelmingly I thought people were supportive of it, but at the same time, that's a pretty big change, and it's a pretty big talking point, so I think people are starting to hear that. Uh, a bunch of friends did the ice fishing shows across the state and actually a lot of them said they were starting to hear rumblings on that so figured it'd be a good thing to talk about and you'll probably be here hearing more of it coming up in the near future are you uh, obviously you're in the early stages of this but uh, are you hearing mostly positive on this because it's probably somewhat of a controversial issue yeah we are um again i've done a couple different interviews across the state and for the most part, the sporting groups that we've talked to and the individuals are, are in favor of it. And some of the rationale behind it that we're we're looking at doing this is just because the fishing pressure has increased so much. We're talking ice fishing right now, and the DNR used to think that ice fishing didn't necessarily, you know, play into the populations of fish. It used to be you'd go out for a couple hours at the portable or stand on the ice and fish. Well, now with wheelhouses, you're there two, three, four days at a time. Um, I think I read a report here not too long ago that Red Lake, Upper Red, last year alone in the winter had 1.9 million fishing hours on it. So it definitely is, you know, have an effect on the numbers. The other is 
think about the advancement of technology, where boats were from. This limit, actually, I should say, was enacted in 1956. So nothing has changed since 1956 in terms of a limit. And you think about all the stuff that's changed with boats, technology, electronics, with mapping, downside imaging. It's really put the advancement in our favor as anglers, so it's, it's put a bigger pressure on the fishing population. Um, and, you know, with the invasive species too around here, zebra mussels in particular, it's changing some of the ecosystems and the lakes and kind of messing with some of the stocking efforts and reproduction. So that's where, as a group, we decided we wanted to try and be proactive and conservative and try and protect some of these walleye fishing resources in the area for future generations and for all the you know, tourism people come up to Brainerd to fish. So that's what we're hoping to keep as good as we got it right now. If people want uh, more information on this, uh, Nate, and maybe want to follow along, see how things progress as we go through the winter and into the spring, is there a place that they can find that? Yeah, if you, if you look on Facebook, we've got a Walleye Lines Inc. Uh, page that I've got a lot of studies, and then some of the interviews I've done on this where it gets a little more into detail. Uh, we do have a website, www.walleyealliance.com. Um, and then, again, you know, I think we'll be floating this more in some of the local media, whether it's the newspapers or what have you, but uh, you can reach out to myself, Nate Blazing, otherwise uh, Senator Kerry Root, too, because we do want, you know, different perspectives. If you have a different opinion, that's great. Not a problem with that. We'd like to hear everything from everyone to make sure we're taking in everything into account. So um, I think there's a multiple ways you can get a hold of me or anyone that's involved in this effort, but uh, I think more to come, and we'll probably be talking about this more in the future. Yeah, that was going to be my last question. Is people want to, you know more information on you, Nate, or maybe want to book a guide trip? Uh, how do they do that? Sure, we got a website too, snwguideservice.com. Otherwise, zip up to our local bait shop up at SNW. Sherry's more than willing, and she knows how to get a hold of us. So we're up there talking to her almost on a daily basis. So uh, those are a couple ways to get a hold of us. Otherwise, my phone number is six five one five nine two three eight five seven. It's Nate Blazing, good friend of Brainerd Outdoors. He is with SNW Guide Service here in Brainerd. Nate, I appreciate the information. Good stuff as always, and uh, we will check in with you here down the line, okay? Thanks very much, Brian. Merry Christmas and happy holidays, and we'll talk to you soon. And i got to say, go Vikings Monday night, right? <laughs> sure, poke the bear. That's fine. <laughs> All right, thanks, Brian. You bet. Teasing the cheese head. All right, we've got more of Brainerd Outdoors after this on B93.3. Welcome back to Brainerd Outdoors on B93.3, and we always like to uh, chat with a good friend here at Brainerd Outdoors, and that is Jason Mitchell with Jason Mitchell Outdoors. we got a lot of stuff we're going to talk to Jason about today. Uh, first off, Jason, welcome back. Yeah, thanks for having me on. It's always a pleasure. Yeah, I wanted to first off talk to you. I know here the, the big thing the last uh, couple of weeks and uh, last couple of days even uh, is our ice here is not where we'd like it to be. All that snow we got and, and the lakes are not freezing properly. Uh, out your way, you're kind of based out there in that Devil's Lake area. Uh, what's it looking like out there? You know, last week, you know, I saw people driving out on the ice for the first time. You know, where we've got... Anywhere from 11 to 13 inches in a lot of places, but uh, and more in some places, you know, like Lake Alice and Lake Urban, you know, those places froze up earlier. And so, I mean, there's almost 15 inches of ice out there. 
and there's not a lot of snow on the ice. I mean, you can drive around pretty good, but probably the biggest thing this year is it's, it, there's been some inconsistencies in the sense that you might have 13 inches in an area, and then a mile away, you might have uh, seven inches, you know, and so you just can't assume that just because you drill one hole and you have 12 inches of ice, it's going to be 12 inches of ice all over the lake because there is some variation this year. The angler wanted to head out that way, though, Jason. The fishing's been pretty good. Uh, some days. I mean, it's like anything else. I mean, uh, we've had some good fishing at times, and then we've had some poor fishing at times. You know, it's a lot of water to cover, and, um, you know, our walleye bites been setting up pretty decent. Our, you know, we've had some good perch bites here, early ice, but, uh, you know, it's, it's a deal where, you know, a lot of these bites only last for three days, maybe, where, you know, after that, uh, you know, you got to find them again, you know, and you're looking with an eight-inch auger to try to find fish, and so, you know, the fish are out there, but uh, I can't tell you that, you know, yeah, every day you're going to just go out there and catch all kinds of fish because it doesn't work that way. One thing that always uh, fascinates me with Devil's Lake is the fact, and we've talked about this on the show a little bit, uh, being it's it's kind of an odd lake in which its contours change every year and, and a lot of its depth and structure as well. Uh, as things change, Jason, does that change up your tactics year to year? Well, it can change up the spots. I mean, there's some spots that uh, you know, emerge because they weren't deep enough before, you know. Uh, a lot of shallow water stuff, especially, you know, high water, even through the ice. You know, I can't tell you how many walleyes we've caught in less than eight feet of water. But um, now, you know, last fall or last summer, the lake dropped a little bit, you know, where it was probably about three and a half feet lower than its high, maybe three feet lower than the, than the all-time high. And so, you know, that caused the lake to fish differently again. Now, we had a lot of snow in October, so the lake actually came up a little bit, but... Uh, the ground is so wet that this spring, if we have any, if we have any uh, snow or precipitation this winter, I mean, the lake's going to come up a lot. And so, you know, it, it's always changing, absolutely. I mean, it uh, it always changes. But the big thing is probably not so much the elevation; it's the big term trend. If the water's going up, the fish seem to do a certain thing. If the water's going down, they seem to do a certain thing. So. One of the things I wanted to talk to you, Jason, about, and I, I, I stumbled across this article here not too long ago that you wrote on your website, and that is uh, with jigging spoons, are you letting them sit too long? Maybe you can talk a little bit about that and what anglers can do to uh, help their success out there. Well, what I meant by that is a lot of times, you know, people will, will jig, you know, they'll pop the lure upward, then they let it sit, you know, after um, after the lure falls, and then wait a little bit, then they pop it back up. And, and granted, for calling fish in, especially with high lifts, you know, you can definitely do that. And there's no right or wrong with fishing in the sense that some days, you know, be surprised what works. But what I find is that a lot of times, especially as fish come in and they start to close the gap and they start to, you know, get within three, four feet of your lure or closer, is that a lot of times if you let a lure settle and then let it pop, especially if it's a horizontal lure, like say a jigging wrap or a puppet minnow or a chubby dart or something along those lines, what happens is the lure turns, and then when you uh, when you snap it back up, it shoots off in a different direction. And a lot of times what I find is that if it shoots off towards the fish, you know, and spoons can do this too to a certain extent, uh, that shoots off towards the fish and they get close, the lure disappears and the fish do not like that. And so what I find is that if you pop that lure back up before it stops at the bottom, where it's just always 
popping up and down, it's very predictable cadence where that lure never gets a chance to turn. And the fish can really, really hone in on a lot better. And so a lot of times when I'm working my spoon, I'm working it really aggressively. I'm just pounding it really hard, pounding it in one place when the fish come in. And I might stop it momentarily and pause it, bob it a little bit, lift it a little bit, and then and then do that really hard quiver. But I don't let you know I don't stop the lure and then smack it, slap it or snap it back up, and then let it stop and then snap it back up and let it stop. So I find is it just goes all over the place. You can call fish in that way, but to trigger them when they get right on top of you can be a lot harder, if that makes any sense. Perfect sense, actually. Um, you know, you use the term cadence, and that is something, uh, it's a term that really kind of came to fruition here in the last uh, three, four years, at least for the average angler. I'm sure you guys that are out on the pro circuits and stuff have been talking about it for a long time, but that's something that uh, if anglers aren't paying attention to that, uh, that could be real helpful uh, out there on the ice. Absolutely. You know, and uh, I can tell you, you know, well, uh, I mean, I, I probably work my spoon a lot more aggressively than most people. And uh, it's something that I had to teach people when I was guiding, is to really pound that spoon harder, especially to call fish in. But then also, too, when you pound it hard and don't let it stop or settle, like we just talked about, it's a really easy-to-find, predictable profile as well. And does it always work? No. I mean, there's times where I might have to go to a dead stick. There's times where when the fish come in, I have to really tone it down and basically just let it sit and then just try to swing that bottom treble hook and just let it, you know, almost kind of bob in place. Um, there's times where, you know, you know, you have to do uh, – you really have to back off when a fish comes in. Um, every day is different, you know, but uh, – Typically, most days, you know, when you have stable weather and, you know, somewhat aggressive fish, you know, they seem to respond to aggressiveness in the sense that when you pound that lure hard and they shoot up, they accelerate, they lift up off the bottom, they come right up to you. And a lot of times, if you stop or really scale back, they'll just sink. And then you got to try to, you know, get aggressive to bring them back, you know. And uh, that's a, you know, uh, pretty normal thing to see where the fish you know, kind of match your aggressiveness. If you're not aggressive and you're very passive and subtle, you're going to get, uh, you're going to evoke a very passive and subtle response, if that makes any sense. A lot of times the fish match you as well. And so that's something to consider when you're, when you're working lures is that, you know, start out aggressive and that doesn't work. You just keep scaling back until you find something that the fish respond to. One thing that I learned in reading this article, Jason, once again we're talking with Jason Mitchell with Jason Mitchell Outdoors, uh, is remember that walleyes don't back up that well and they need room to turn around. This is why staying in front of the fish is so crucial. Um, that's yeah. something maybe not a lot of anglers knew about. Yeah, and, you know, that's the thing is when you fall behind the fish or shoot towards the fish and the fish can't see it, they just do not like that. And, and if the fish misses you, and then you got to get the fish to turn around and try to make another attempt. You know, uh, that's something that's difficult, you know, or it makes catching that fish a lot harder. And the other thing to remember is that it's almost like, you know, I'm just, you know, basing this up, just what I've seen, you know, sight fishing or underwater camera. It's almost like walleyes, you know, if you imagine a fish has blinders on like a horse, where if a lure gets too close in front of their face, right in front of their nose, they can't see it. And if a fish is behind, or if the bait or lure, it's behind the fish's eyes, they can't see it, okay? So when that fish comes right up on you, for example, you don't want to move it sharp or fast because all of a sudden they can't see it. 
you know, where they're just using their nose or their lateral line, you know. When it's right there, you just want to leave it there so that they can get it. And so uh, and a lot of this really comes down to really, really understanding your electronics, you know, uh, knowing when a fish is at the edge of your cone angle, knowing when the fish is right on top of you, uh, you know, especially if you're using a Vexar where you have that analog signal, it's so good at picking up movement versus a digitized signal where you can see when that fish changes body position. And that's a big thing. When a fish gets ready to pounce, you know, their gills flare, their fins come up. You know, they, you can just tell that that fish is ready to play. And you can see pick up that movement in the signal, you know. So you can just read that body language of the fish and that attitude of the fish so much better with that analog signal because you'll just get that flutter, that movement in the signal itself. It tells you a lot. I mean, that's very revealing. And everything that you've talked about, Jason, uh, does it, if somebody likes fishing with plastics versus live bait or vice versa, it all plays in, right? Absolutely. I mean, you know, obviously the plastics have been huge with panfish. I mean, it just exploded. And we're starting to see that spill over to the walleye stuff. I mean, I've been using plastics with some success for years, but we're starting to see people tip their spoons or tip their jean wraps with plastics just because they're so much more durable. You know, again, is it the end all? Can you get rid of live bait completely? Not if you have to try to catch fish every day. There's still a place of time where you just have to use live bait. But uh, I think a lot of anglers would be surprised, you know, how good soft plastics can work for walleyes. They absolutely do. In wrapping up here, Jason, uh, what do you got planned here throughout the winter? Obviously, you do a lot of guiding out in Devil's Lake. Uh, you do a lot of filming out there as well. You got any big plick or big uh, trips planned, or anything special? Yeah, we got a we got a lot of stuff planned. Uh, and actually, too, you know, I don't do any guiding anymore. I'm I'm so busy with the television stuff and traveling that. Um, I just couldn't do it both. In fact, you know, I mean, to be honest with you, if you're gone for three or four days somewhere else, and you know, say in Wisconsin or Manitoba or wherever, then you come home and you've been doing something completely different. You know, I wasn't, I wouldn't be as good of a guide as I used to be when I was on the water every day. You know, and that's all I did. I mean, that's how you get good at it. Uh, whereas I'm just doing so much traveling now, where I'm, you know, just not the. I wouldn't be the guide I used to be. So. I haven't guided much probably in about 70 years now, but that's kind of how I cut my teeth or got started. But, um, yeah, we're going to be on Winnipeg this year again. I mean, that's that's incredible. We're going to go out to Cascade for the perch this year. We're excited about that. And then, obviously, you know, a lot of the stuff around Minnesota and the Dakotas and Wisconsin, um, we're always looking for things that we haven't done before, you know, and um, – if Lake Erie freezes up too, that's something else that's on my bucket list as far as places to go. So, so sounds like you're staying busy. <laughs> oh yeah, so many fish and not enough time. <laughs> right. Well, I think yeah, we struggle with that sometimes. Uh, if people want more, more information, Jason, on you, how can they get it? You know, they just go online. You know, uh, JasonMitchellOutdoors dot com is our website. Uh, we have a Facebook page. Just look for Jason Mitchell Outdoors. Uh, we're also on uh, Instagram. Uh, Jason Mitchell Outdoors or YouTube. You, know, you just search uh, any of those platforms for us. We'll pop right up and watch all of our shows, follow what we're doing. And so it's a great way to reach people. There you go. Jason Mitchell with Jason Mitchell Outdoors. I appreciate you taking the time, buddy, and uh, safe travels out there. I know, like you said, you got a lot of traveling ahead of you, and uh, good luck out on the ice. All right. Thank you, bud. More of Brainerd Outdoors after this on B93.3.
You're listening to the place for everything outdoors in the Brainerd Lakes and beyond. Brainerd Outdoors Radio, just after 7, Saturday mornings, Sunday evenings at 7, and Monday mornings at 5, right here on B93.3. Now here's your host, Brian Moon. Let's head out to Malax, get the report out there from Steve Saponiak. And Steve, I guess a lot of things uh, pretty much the same as it was last week. We're not really making a lot of ice with all the snow insulating it, but uh, I guess if people still hung right by the shore, they should be okay. Oh, definitely, Brian. You know, like we talked off air, you know, all this snow insulates the ice, and it's not making it very well. But the good thing is we've got a good base layer of ice already out there on the lakes, like all the way around, you know, for the first 150, 250 yards, we've got anywhere from 6 to 10 inches of good safe ice. Uh, walk out there is fantastic. Take an ATV. If you can find a plowed road, will work. A snowmobile will work. Uh, you know, honestly, I wouldn't go out there with a vehicle right now, and I would not go out there dragging a wheelhouse unless it's really, really close to shore and a plowed road. But the fishing action, Brian, is doing really well, so it's a plus all around in that situation. Walleyes are going good. Northern Pike, uh, the only thing that's really not kicking off too good on Mille Lacs Lake is a panfish, but there's plenty of small lakes around there that have good panfish action. Yeah, and uh, the ice on those lakes, are they in a little bit better shape or kind of the same? Stay by the shore. Well, yeah, you know, I've uh, I got to say, honestly, stay by the shore. I've been on a few of them, quite a few, and it's the same scenario. There's anywhere from 6 to 10 inches of good ice uh, out there, two, 300 yards. Uh, you get out any further, and it's, it's, it's spotty. You're going to have 6 inches in one spot. You walk 30, 40 feet, and there's 3 inches. So uh, is it worth? Is a fish worth your life? No, but you stay close to shore, you're going to have a lot of great fish in action, Brian. And you mentioned being by the shore with Mille Lacs and, and the walleye fishing being good. For those that are worried, you know, that those fish are going to move out deep here, Real soon. Now, one thing we've learned in the last couple of years is those fish, especially those walleyes up shallow by the shore, a lot of those don't ever leave there now. Oh, definitely. You know, for years I'd get phone calls from the professional walleye trail, the guys fishing the tournaments when they got to Mille Lacs. There's three of them that called me all the time. Steve, are the walleye still in the bays? Are they still in the weeds? And I'd reply the same to the three guys. Yes, they never leave. Long as there's structure, which is the weeds, and there's forage, which the weeds has plenty of, but food, you know, fish, they're going to stay there. Yes, there's a bunch of walleyes on the flats, but people, believe me, there's just as many in those weed beds. And it's incredible the size of these fish. We've taken walleyes up to 10 pounds. You know, like I said, fish close to shore doesn't mean you have to leave the uh, bay. You can get out three, 400 yards in some areas, but like I tell everybody, keep it to two, 300 yards. So that's good to hear. And like you said, uh, you know, if you want to try some of those smaller lakes on Mille Lacs, around Mille Lacs, I should say, uh, those should be all right, too. Just got to be careful and stay uh, close to shore. And that would go, I would assume, for Farm Island as well, huh? Farm Island as well. You know, Borden, uh, Platt Sullivan, uh, Little Whitefish, you know, just west of Mille Lacs was giving up some nice crappies. You know, Shakopee a couple of weeks ago on thinner ice, uh, the sunfish bite was going, but it was smaller. You know, there's so many good lakes around the area and everything. Just a matter of use common sense, you know, when you go out there. Well, what I've got is, and so have my sons and the guys I go fishing with, we've got 100-foot-long ropes early in the season. we got our spuds, which is a chisel. We'll walk 10, 15 feet, take a couple pounds. If the chisel, you know, with the chisel on the ice, if it doesn't go through, we'll go another 10, 15 feet, and then we'll hit it a couple of times, and that's how we get out to our spot. You know, after we've been to your spot a few times, then you know what's safe and what isn't. There you go. Steve Saponiak with Predator Guide Service. You can check him out 
at PredatorGuideService.com. I appreciate the info as always, Steve, and uh, we will check in next week. My pleasure, Brian. Thank you. Tony Roach joins us now with Roach's Guide Service, very accomplished angler here in the Brainerd Lakes area and professional guide. Uh, Tony, I wanted to pick your brain a little bit on something I know you really like to do, and that's early season uh, walleyes. Yeah, so I love fishing uh, early ice for walleyes in particular. You know, panfish, yes, uh, you know, that's always fun early ice opportunities, but I, I enjoy walleye fishing much better early ice than panfish. Um, for one reason, that they're just feeding. A lot of times they're still in their fall patterns. They're aggressively feeding. They're still putting on, on lots of weight, and, and you can find the fish pretty shallow. I mean, you don't have to go out, uh, you know, out to 30 feet of water to find fish. A lot of times they'll be up along the weeds and the cabbage, uh, you know, on sharper breaks, uh, main lake points, rock humps, that sort of thing. And, you know, wherever you found them in the fall, it'd go right back there. I do that a lot at Mille Lacs Lake. You know, where I find them in the fall is where I'm going to head back to those locations. And a lot of times they're not too far off your icons in that 10, 12, 13, 14 feet of water. And usually when you get on them, they're, they're very aggressive. And what I like about Mille Lacs Lake versus a lot of smaller bodies of water is the walleyes bite all day long, especially in that early ice period. Those feeding windows last all day in that early ice period, and you could put a lot of fish on the ice and have a lot of fun doing it. Some of my most memorable early ice times has been on Mille Lacs Lake just because of that, that daytime feeding bite. Another one is obviously Red Lake. Uh, you know, a lot of folks uh, take advantage of heading up to Red Lake. That's a great, uh, you know, early ice destination that, you know, anglers can have a lot of success and a lot of fun. I like to spoon fish. Um, I also use horizontal baits. I like, you know, slab wraps, ripping wraps, jigging wraps. Um, what I like about the jigging wraps, early ice, and, and the slab wraps is I don't have to bait up. You know, I can drop that presentation down. Fish are pretty aggressive. They're coming in to strike it. The other thing that I like to do is set out dead sticks. So I'll jig fairly aggressively to move around to try to find fish, but you've got to have those dead stick lines down. And I, I prefer over the last few years is using a dead stick rod instead of using um, like a tip-up, which, you know, a lot of people love seeing a flag go up. Don't get me wrong, I do too. But I'd rather catch a fish on a, on a rod and reel. So I use like a dead stick, a dead eye rod, and I'll put it in a rod holder and just watch for that tip to go. Um, some people use like, um, you know, the, the strike indicators, that sort of thing, but still use that, that um dead stick rod and it's extremely fun when you've got the dead stick rods out and then you're jigging uh it's funny when you in the fall in that shallow water you see fish come through in waves so if you're fishing with other anglers everybody's got a walleye on and you also your dead stick rods are going off at the same time it happens all the time in that shallow water it's like they cruise through in waves as they feed on those bait fish if people want more information on you tony how can they get it uh roachesguideservice.com you can look me up on facebook instagram uh, YouTube. I put a lot of informational videos out there as well. And, uh, you know, good luck to everybody ice fishing. It looks like we're going to have a great year. Uh, there's a lot of great fishing around the Brainerd area, Leech Lake, Winnebagosh is going to be good again this winter. So a lot of opportunities for ice fishermen. Uh, I think it's going to be a great season. Tony, I appreciate the information as always. I look forward to seeing you here in a few weeks and uh, we'll talk to you soon. Yeah, thanks a lot for having me, Brian. More of Brainerd Outdoors after this on B93.3.
Welcome back to Brainerd Outdoors on B93.3. And Mandy Urick is back with us. And this time around, Mandy's going to share a, a recipe of hers that she's been uh, kind of working on here in the past couple of weeks. Uh, a lot of people can venison, Mandy, and a lot of people go, oh, I didn't know you could do that. You've got some great stuff here. This is a total throwback to our grandparents. Mm-hmm. And you wouldn't believe how many of my aunts and uncles reached out and said, oh, your grandma would be so proud of you because she was a big canner. You know, and we think about why. Why did we do that? You, they didn't have the freezer space, you know, back then. Plus, you worry about freezer burn and things going bad before you can get to them. And everybody's got shelf space. But... Yeah, I, I kind of had forgot about it. We did this in college, like lived off of canned <laughs> venison because it, it is so easy that you can just quick grab and, and throw it into a meal. But so we got it all together this year. And I'm like, yeah, I'm going to try this. Like I haven't done this in, in years. And uh, there's some technology changes for the good with the new pressure cookers yep. compared to the old ones. So <laughs> I will definitely say get yourself a new pressure cooker. I don't need anybody's pressure cookers blowing up and, you know, <laughs> taking out someone's They'll blame you. <laughs> kitchen. And then, yeah, then I get in trouble for it. So it was fun. I actually called one of my buddies, um, Heinz, over and I was like, okay, I just want someone who does this also in case I'm forgetting anything because there is a little bit of this and that to make sure that aren't in the instruction booklets that if you look online that those little tips aren't on those so yeah did the did the first batch got it out oh my goodness gracious and now i've been going crazy so we can talk recipes we can talk process like i'm i'm all in well and tell me a little bit because you did a variety of different flavors too that that uh like you said turned out really really good yes so just the most basic versatile one that you can you can do that you can put into season and make however you want later was just the uh with bouillon and it's the the paste bouillon i did a, a teaspoon of that and a teaspoon of canning salt and I actually put that in the bottom of the jar and then you put your cut up venison meat in there. So what I'm using, I'm using scrap, stuff that we'd normally grind into burger. Mm -hmm. And if you look online, they're going to tell you to cut them up in those golf ball chunks. No, the bigger the chunk, the better, because when this comes out, it's the consistency of roast beef. So, I mean, it's super tender and you you like that bigger chunks in there. And I think it actually cooks better too. It doesn't over dry it um, with that. So you put your teaspoon of bouillon in there, teaspoon of your salt. And this, if, if you're doing, you can do quartz or you can do pints. So quarts are bigger than pints. Slap your meat in there. Um, you get your pressure cooker going. You've got your lids going. So what you want to do with your lids is you throw them in hot water and let it boil for a little bit. And then you start your water um, just a, a little bit in the bottom of your pressure cooker and then um, get the, the pressure, you know, or the water going on there. Take your lids out. And I like to take my jars directly out of the dishwasher so they're still warm and then pack my meat in there. Put your lid on the top and you put them into the pressure cooker. And one of those tidbits that you don't see in the books or online is there's a there's a, a rubber gasket type of yes, thing. Yes, yep. that's on the lid. Actually, Take that out completely and, and oil that on both sides and then put that back into the lid. So here's the big part if you're going to do like difference between quartz and, and pints. So quartz are bigger. You, once you put them in there, you want to do 11 pounds of pressure. But your pressure time doesn't start until it builds up to 11 pounds. So if you're going to do the quartz at 11 pounds, you're going to cook it for 75 minutes. If you're going to do pints, you're going to do 90 minutes at 11 pounds. 
But recipe-wise, you can really go crazy. I did taco seasoning so I can do enchiladas. Mm. Um, and with that, I didn't throw in an extra any extra salt. I took a Ziploc baggie, poured the taco seasoning in there, shook it so the meat was all covered, and then packed it in the jars like that. Um, same way I did Lipton onion soup like you would do for a roast in mm-hmm. your crock pot. Same thing, just covering it, putting it in there. I did some with fresh minced garlic and and onion in there. And there I kind of layered it in the meat and and stacked it in there. But um, the sky's the limit. You know, take some of your really favorite roasts, you know, your crock pot recipes, and you can really apply them to them. I got one that I got to do another batch because I found this ranch and pepperette that's supposed to be this phenomenal crock pot recipe that I think that's the next go around that I'm definitely (laughs) going to do. But that's the neat part. You You can play with it and... And just really be as experimental as you want. Biggest mistake somebody could make? Your timing. Really watching it. You don't start your time on the cooking until you get to the pounds of pressure that you need to be at. So that's the big one. And between the the pints and the quarts, making sure that your timing's on. And I had a lot of questions you saw on Facebook. People were thinking that this was more like fish. Like when you say can, that they didn't realize that they had to pressure cook it. And you do have to pressure Mm -hmm. cook it. There's bacteria in that meat. So you want to make sure that, you know, no one's going home with botulism if they decide to. Yeah, they they won't ask for another. (laughs) Correct. So you want to make sure that you're cooking it at the length of time um, to really kill out all that bacteria. But I have to say, I mean, I've been eating it probably twice a week right now. That's why I said I'm like, I got I to go can some more. But it's so quick and easy. You get home and you, all you have to do is warm it up. And you can make it with tacos. You can make it with mashed potatoes, put it on a bed of rice. I mean, wherever and however you want to do it. Well, I'll have to try it. First, I got to get a deer. <laughs> <laughs> One thing at a time. But, uh, yeah, that sounds awesome. And like you said, if, if somebody's looking to, you know, for instructions and recipes and all, I just Google it and you should be able to find all kinds of stuff. Yep, absolutely. Mandy Urich, contributor here to Brainerd Outdoors, good friend of the show. Great to have you back. And uh, we'll have to maybe have you uh, talk about some other recipes because I know you do a lot of different other stuff too. So sounds awesome. Mandy, I appreciate it. We'll talk to you soon. Sounds great. And that'll wrap up this week's show. And don't forget, you can catch Brainerd Outdoors just after 7, Saturday mornings, Sunday evenings at 7, and Monday mornings at 5 right here on B93.3. If you're out of town or away from your radio, an easy way to listen to the show live is to stream it at our website, BrainerdOutdoorsRadio.com, and click on the uh, Listen Live tab. And, of course, we're all over the podcast networks and platforms Uh, Wherever you download your favorite podcast, search Brainerd Outdoors. Subscribe, uh, rate, and review. We'd appreciate that as well. We'll see you next weekend for another edition of Brainerd Outdoors. I'm Brian Moon. Brainerd Outdoors has been brought to you by The Power Lodge, SCR Northern, Thielen Meats, Tracker Boating Center, Vimer Outdoors Archery Pro Shop, Liveaxe Marine in Isle, SNW Bait and Tackle, Oars and Mine Marine in Crosby, Freedom Firearms, Newman Construction, Northern Sales and Manufacturing, Your Ice Castle Dealer in Pine River, Crow Wing Recycling, Canvas Tech, Bermel Shoe Store in Randall, SPR Motorsports and Marine, and by Radco, Your Truck Accessory Pro Join Brian Moon Saturday mornings at 7, Sunday evenings at 7, and Monday mornings at 5, right here on B93.3.